Good morning, everyone. Well, we'll start with a word of prayer. Um, Lord, we want to thank you again for the chance to be here today. Thank you for the chance to be in the presence of fellow believers, to be in your house and worshiping you. Thank you for everyone that's come out today, and we ask that you would um, be glorified through the message that takes place today, through all the worship, through through all the the singing and the praise and worship and for everything that takes place. We ask that you would uh, be glorified, that you would um, open each person here's hearts, minds, and ears to receive what you would have them to receive from today's message. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you remember, back in the fall, I did a sermon talking about the harvest, the Harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And now we've come to another season. We've come to the opposite of the harvest. We've come to the season of planning and growth. And um, this is the lesson that I believe that God wanted me to share with you today. Because we talk about planning, we talk about growth, but there's also another process in there in the process of Um, taking care of plants that comes between the um, planting of seeds and the harvesting the crops in the fall. And that comes in the care of um, pruning and getting rid of the stuff that's unnecessary. And to be honest with you, this lesson was inspired a few weeks ago as I was going through some of my old books. I come across a book by Bruce Wilkinson entitled The Vine. And as I found the book and started thumbing through it, um, it really struck a chord what he had said in this book. And I started really looking at what this verse means and how much it means into the, the lives of each one of us here as we've all been disappointed by things. We've all been through things that have been unpleasant and we wonder about these things and we wonder why we wonder about the disappointment and loss we wonder uh, about the different things and sometimes even good things seem to be taken from us and as we read the bible jesus uses two areas to really take a lot of his object lessons from and one of those involves husbandry of livestock and crops. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the illustrations he made in talking about plant care. So as he starts off, um, as Pastor Mike read, every branch of mine that bears no fruit he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now I'll tell you up front, I don't know a lot about horticulture. I remember growing up, though, and watching my mom remove um, dead leaves and stems from some of her house plants, and uh, this seemingly was a way to um, make those plants grow again. Um, The dictionary defines pruning this way. Pruning is the removal or reduction of parts of a plant, tree, or vine that is not requisite to the growth or production 
are no longer visually pleasing or are injurious to the health or development of the plant. The general purpose of pruning is not to reduce the size of a plant that has grown too large. Pruning stimulates growth. Weak growth can be stimulated to grow vigorously by hard cutting back and vigorous growth. Is the best checked by light pruning. So pruning going into our lives as Christians is a way for God to help us to grow. It's something that's no longer beneficial to our spiritual growth. God's going to remove it. Just like a plant, God will remove things that are not requisite to our growth or our production or if it's no longer visually pleasing or if it's injurious to our health development or does not stimulate our growth, God's going to remove that thing from our lives. And this can be just about anything. Um, So as we start looking at these things individually, we'll start off by looking at things that are not requisite to growth or production. Sometimes, even as a Christian, we're going along in our life and we may pick something up along the way. We may pick up a bad habit. We may start watching a bad TV show. It may not, and it may not even be inherently bad, but it's holding us back from better. Watching TV in itself, for instance, it's not necessarily bad. It's not bad to watch TV. It's how many of us unwind at night when we get home from work. But is it interfering with our service to God? Is it in the way of us being in our Bible more? Is it in the way of us going out and, um, as Pastor Mike said earlier, evangelizing? Is the Bible being put second is God's work being put second to TV. When it's bad, God may come up with a way to uh, wean that out of your life. Another one, and this honestly, this one was one that befell me for a number of my teenage years and even a few years into my adulthood, I loved to play video games. Spent almost all my free time playing video games. I finished the tasks that needed to be accomplished Got home from my job, but other than that, it was largely me playing video games, which is a waste of time that I could have been using to do other things, more productive things, things that had eternal quality. I didn't think about that at the time. Full disclosure, I I still pick up a game on my phone and play it during my free time, but I don't allow it to... um, monopolize my time. I, the thought of sitting down in front of a, a computer game and a console utterly bores me at this point in my, my life. There's other things that I can be doing, actually doing and not just sitting there. So how, how did God um, wean this out of my life? How did he prune this desire to play video games out of my life. Well, he actually did it through something we don't really observe to the fullest here, and that was Lent. And most of you know, during the 
the service or during Lenten season, you choose something that you're going to give up during the time that you're during the time between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. Well, for me, one year I was inspired to give up video games for those 40 days, and I did. I I gave them up. It was hard the first couple of days. What do I do with this extra time that I got when I get home now that I'm already said I'm not made this commitment that I'm not going to play games? Well, it got easier as the week went on. As the weeks went on, as we got closer to the end of the 40 days, as we got back to Easter Sunday and that, this thing that I looked forward to doing as Lenten season started, I looked forward to getting back to it. I had no desire at the end of Lent when Easter Sunday hit, I had no desire to go back and play anymore. And that's one of the ways that God will use to prune things out of your life that are unproductive. He'll, he'll bore you with them. He might point out that they're, they're wrong, but in itself you don't have the desire to give it up right at that point. But he's going to bore you to a point where um, you just don't want to do it anymore. Some of the other things, one of the other things mentioned here in the definition of pruning was getting rid of things that aren't visually pleasing. Now, what's one of the worst things that you can see looking at bad habits? One of the things is, the worst thing you can see specifically for an adult is to throw a temper tantrum. And we hate to see it in our little ones. It's especially sad when you see it in an adult and even worse if the adult's a Christian. And it goes just, not just temper tantrums, but any other poor behavior that we may have in our, our life, whether it's lying or um, engaging in bad habits with um, addictive substances. We, God will convict us. He'll send people to convict us to prune these things of our own lives. A lot of ways when we look at the, the poor behavior in that, it's removed by, especially tantrums and bad tempers, it's removed by putting us in situations where we have to exercise patience and restraint. One of the things that I've heard several pastors say from various pulpits and different radio programs, though, is never pray for patience. Because you will be put in a situation and multiple situations where you have to exercise patience. And that's one of the ways that God prunes our, some of our bad habits out of our lives is by putting us in situations where we have to exercise the, the fruit that he wants us to bear. Another thing that pruning does is talks about the removing things that are injurious from our lives. In the case of a plant, if a plant begins to grow out past its boundaries, if it starts to grow into the fencing, into the power lines, if it's a tree, or into the roughage, we trim this, the branches, we trim the leaves and the stems of this plant back in order to preserve the life of the plant. Many times in our own lives as we begin to grow, 
um, after we're saved, you'll notice that our old friends uh, that are unsaved, they start to fade out of our lives. Sometimes we're okay with that. Again, I've had instances and circumstances where people I was close to at one point have just become a distant memory because um, as I grew closer to God, they started to veer off in in another direction. We don't hate each other. We, um, I look back on these relationships fondly, but realizing that we are on two different paths. Other times it can be downright heartbreaking because sometimes the people, like I mentioned, will go out with just a whisper and disappear. Other times they want you to know they're leaving. They want you to know that they don't approve of this new lifestyle that you're living. They don't agree with these changes you've made in your life. And as hard as it may be, it's God allowing this to happen in order to remove them from your life so that they're not going to be injurious to your life. One quote that uh, Gary Thomas had said relating to this is he said, sometimes to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is to walk away from others or to let them walk away from us. So I've seen it happen both ways. I've had both ways happen in my own life and in the lives of my family. And to Another thing that pruning does is it is used to stimulate growth. And there's a couple of ways this happens. One is through feeding the plant, and the other is through talking to your plants. I didn't know that was a thing, honestly, to talk to your plants, but I guess it actually works. They say that if you talk to your plant, it helps them grow. Well, Guess what the Bible does? It feeds us spiritually, and the Bible is the way that God talks to us. So when we start talking about stimulating our spiritual growth and growing spiritual fruit, the two ways to do that is um, through feeding us, which God does through his word, and through talking to us, which God also does through his word. And so when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about stimulating our growth, these are two of the methods that um, God uses. One of the reasons, that, another reason that God uses to help us to grow more and to, is so that we produce more. God is always interested in the fruit that we produce. Again, um, Going back to watching my mom with her house plants when she was when we were younger, and she has this plant, and I, I don't know what it's called, but um, when Nicole and I were married, she cut off a piece of this plant and she gave it to Nicole. This plant continued to grow in a pot itself. In the years since, Nicole has done the same thing. She has similarly cut off pieces of this now full-grown plant that she has and given it to other people, and it has continued to flourish. By cutting off pieces of this, this plant and planting them, it has produced more plants like itself. 
And this happens in regards to people we know too. And when I think about this, when I think about this biblically, one of the things that comes up is the big disagreement that came up between Paul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it states that there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And in this case, God used this disagreement, much like that plant, he used this disagreement to separate Paul and Barnabas so that they could cover more ground. They were still brothers in Christ. They still liked each other. They just realized that at that point in time, they, they couldn't stay together. Had they stayed together, they wouldn't have been able to cover as much ground as they did in getting the gospel out across the Middle East and across Europe as they did. And it doesn't even have to be a major contention. Sometimes God has to allow that separation in order for one of you or both of you to grow and to produce the fruit that God wants you to produce and be who he wants you to be. And I can think of specific times in areas of my life where this happened to me and uh, others that I was close to. There's things that I would have never done. I would, wouldn't be here hadn't God done, made some of the moves that he made in my life. A few years, a few years back where we attended church, I was perfectly happy standing back behind the video camera. It was, uh, it was my comfort zone. I was able to serve God. I was able to get the word out because I was standing behind the camera and I was videotaping. The videos were sent to, we don't even use videotape anymore. The videos were then sent to shut-ins for people to watch. We also were able to start our own um, access church program through Dayton Access Television. And again, I was content doing that because I was able to stand behind the camera. I didn't have to be in front of people. I didn't have to uh, do things to put myself out there. And I was still serving God, so it was the best of all worlds. But um, that wasn't what God had planned for me, apparently. Later, I started working with a, a, a youth program that ministered to inner city youth. And I was happy there because I had a, a good leader, a great group of friends, and a great team to work with. And I still didn't have to really put myself out there. But in order for me to grow, in order for them to grow, God had to allow separation. He had to allow things to take place that would put everybody on their own path as we continued to um, love each other, as we continued to be great friends. He had to allow that separation so each of us could grow into the servant that he wanted us to be. There's a... and. And so that's a, another way that God will prune things and people we, we love from our lives. But then there's 
another way to help plants grow. And you, you think about the things I've talked about, but as you're planting, as the plants start to grow, the, the other way is composting. And if we read Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to 9, Jesus is telling a parable here. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Lo, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Let it alone, sir, this year also till I dig about it and put some manure. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So in other words, sometimes in order for us to grow and to bear fruit, we have to go through a lot of manure. Take Jacob, for instance. And granted, he brought a lot of it on himself, and in a lot of cases, we bring a lot of stuff on ourselves. But he went through some stuff. He was tricked into marrying the wrong girl. He dealt with a lot of marital drama as a result of this. He had his wages changed ten times, among other things. But he, he grew through all of this. And he grew from being a trickster, someone swindling his way through life. He swindled his brother out of his birthright. And then he ran away to a man who was a bigger trickster than he was. And lived with him for 20 years. And he's the one, by the way, Laban, who did all this, this stuff to Jacob. And he, upon returning home, he wrestled with God, earning a permanent limp and a new name. After this, we see Jacob's growth. Jacob grew from being this trickster, this swindler, this guy that is going to do whatever he can to get by, to he met Esau head on. He Instead of having his family and that and everybody in front of him, after wrestling with God, he met Esau head on and addressed the situation, took care of it. And we're not so much talking about the details of Jacob's life right now. It's just the change that he went, on, went through in his life, all because he had to go through a lot of stuff to get there. Joseph, Jacob's son, was another example of this. We see all the stuff he went through as he grew from being this brash teenager that was bragging to his siblings about, my sheaf's going to rule over your sheaves and the planets are going to bow down to me and all this, to this leader who had compassion. We saw Joseph's growth through the stuff that he went through. So a lot of times when we're going through stuff, we got to wonder. As we're going through the manure in our own lives, we got to wonder and sit back and think, okay, what kind of growth am I receiving out of, out of this? Perhaps right now you're going through some of that in your own life. Either random, 
or self-inflicted. But rest assured, whatever it is you're going through, God's going to use this for your good and for his glory. He's going to use this to grow the fruit that, that glorifies him both spiritually and the fruit that's going to reach out and produce other believers. But we have to be willing to trust God. We have to be willing to allow him to, to work. And it's not easy. I'll tell you that first, firsthand, it's not easy to see some of the stuff that, and to feel some of the stuff that we're going through. We've, um, as Pastor Mike mentioned earlier, we've just been through a round of um, illness with Nicole that saw a couple of ER visits this week and, um, and what's resulting in what they're saying now is pneumonia. Elaine has also been through it this past couple of weeks and, and even had to get her own COVID test done, which I'm sure she hated. But in all of this, we have to sit back, and it's easy to get mad. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to wonder how much more. Think about Job and all the things that he had to go through. But again, we have to trust God. We have to trust what, he, what the Bible tells us because he tells us in Romans 8.28 that we know that in everything, in everything, God works for the good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So that's everything. That's not just some of the things. It's not a few of the things. Everything, no matter what you're going through. Because he also tells us, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God knows what he's doing. It's hard to trust him sometimes. It's hard to trust him if we don't like what's happening. But... We have to. And what do we do with all this? We bloom. We bloom where we're planted. Where you're planted may not be what you had in mind. Quite honestly, sometimes we don't like where we're planted. Whether it's the area we live in, we might not like our home. We might not like where we find ourselves in our job, our school, or sometimes I hate to say this, but even our church. But God has you there for a reason. Every place you are, where you're living, where you're working, where you're going to school, where you're going to church, you have a reason to be there. God's given you that reason, and he's got you there to produce fruit. You may be there to share the love of God in a workplace where you think you're the only Christian. You may be living in a neighborhood or around people where you're the only Christian. Why are you there? There might be that one person. There may just be one person there that God has for you to reach out to, to show his love. 
He has that one person that he's sending you specifically to get and bring back to him to bear fruit in their own lives. But this all isn't just about other people. God also does this so we'll grow the fruit in our own life, the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. That's things that we all need continued growth. God's going to grow those things in our life, but we have to continue to, to grow, and he wants to continue to help us to grow in those areas, and he's going to put us in the, the different situations, and he's going to allow us to go through the various things that we go through, so in order that we can grow into the spiritual champion that he wants us to be. He's going to put us in these situations so we can bear fruit in other believers and in the lives of the people around us. God wants us to, to reach the people around us, even if it's just that one person. You may reach that one person, and then he may have you move on somewhere else. Or that person may move on. Or he might send you somebody else. Who knows? But the thing we have to do is we have to trust God because, again, everything that we go through, we're going through, and God's going to use those things for the good, for good for us because we love him. He's going to use it for the good of those around us, and he knows the plans we have. He doesn't tell us the plans, but he knows the plans that he has. We just... Got to sit back and, if we can, enjoy this roller coaster of a ride that he has us on. And, and with that, we're going we're gonna to close in prayer. And on a side note, I just got to get this one in there to, to pray for the Bengals today. <laughs> Pastor Mike asked when we walk in today if anybody was wearing any orange or black, and I see a few of us out there. Lord, we thank you for the day you've given us today. We thank you for the... Sounds kind of funny to say this, but we thank you for the challenges that you put in our lives that help us to grow. We thank you for the the many blessings that come from those challenges, and we thank you for those that we've seen in our lives. We ask that you'll help us to trust in you, to be patient, to see this through without giving up. Lord, we ask that you would guide us, that you would keep our hearts and minds open to your leading. As always, I want to lift up each and every person here, that you would help them to receive what you would have them to receive, that you would keep them safe and healthy and continue to... Um, help us to glorify you. Help us to be what you want us to be. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
morning everyone as we get started today we're gonna start with the word of prayer and Lord we thank you for the opportunity to be here today we thank you for all that you do for us for allowing us a free country where we are free to come to worship you to celebrate the things that you've done for us as we Give, the, give and receive the message today. We ask that you would, um, I ask that you would speak through me, that you would uh, reach out, to speak to the hearts of each and every person that's listening, that you would help be glorified through all that's said today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I started preparing the message this week, we, it was um, supposed to be a message on forgiveness and how God casts our sins as far away as the east is from the west. And I had this message set to go last night, and I was ready to roll with it. And then about 9.30, 10 o'clock last night, I started getting an inkling that that wasn't the message that I was to give today. So the um, passage that Pastor Dan read this morning talks about some of the very things that we're seeing here taking place in the world right now as far as what's going over in the Ukraine, but not just the Ukraine, but all the other things that we see in the world as far as the birth pangs go, as far as the the pestilence that Jesus talks about. We've been dealing with this COVID virus for the last, it seems like forever, but it's been about two and a half years now. And, and, and then we hear of the earthquakes, we hear the volcanoes, the tsunamis, and everything that's going on right now. And these are the things that are um, happening in our world. And, and in a lot of ways, they seem to be picking up in frequency. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me about this message was the fear that we hear in, in some of our kids as they're um, going to school, as they're hearing things, as they're watching the news and stuff. And, and it takes me back to a time when I was growing up, and again, Russia was a, a villain back then that we were afraid was going to start World War III and set off nukes and, and stuff like that. One of my friends had posted a message yesterday on Facebook that her daughter is going to, is hearing this stuff at school. And she's coming home, she's scared. Um, they're doing this over there. What happens if this takes place in our country? What happens if they start shooting rockets and missiles and stuff over this way. And the, I mean, the answer isn't easy. One of the questions is, is what, what, are you gonna, what do you tell your kids about this? But not just our kids. Our kids are scared, but 
mean, there's a lot of adults out there that don't have the privilege of being able, by their choice, they don't, they don't have the knowledge of being able to look in a Bible and see that all this stuff's been talked about, all this stuff's been predicted for centuries and even millennia. So that's the big news right now, but what do, what do we know about this? What do we know about what's going on? As Pastor Mike said earlier, as Mindy said earlier, this is a spiritual war. This, is, this isn't just a... Well, it is a, a crazy man who is trying to take over other countries. But this was predicted way back in Ezekiel chapter 38, starting in, in verse 2. Um, it says, The son, son of man, set your face toward Gog and of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against them. And as we go on throughout this chapter, Ezekiel prophesies against this uh, Gog of the land of Magog. And I'm not going to make a definitive, a definitive statement today either. We are not 100% sure, but many, many, many eschatological scholars believe that Russia is this Magog that's spoken of here in Scripture. And um, the Gog that we speak of in some ways could be Putin. We do not know this for a fact, but what we, we do know is that um, Russia is going to be a big player on the stage at the end of, of, of our times. And while I don't think we're there yet, I do absolutely believe that God's moving more pieces into place. We can think about the pieces that he's moved into place throughout the um, even the last, even, even in this century here as we started 2000. But mentioning um, Gog and Magog, as we said, it could be Russia. It's been attributed to Russia many times, but the truth is that it is possible. However, Gog and Magog were also attributed to Russia again during the Napoleonic Wars. And, and who is this Vladimir Putin anyway? Well, let's take a, just do a brief profile of him, very brief. He's a, uh, on his fourth term as the president of Russia. He's a former KGB soldier, and he's a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. His mom was a member of the Russian Orthodox Church while his dad was an atheist. He throughout all this time, has this strong desire to re-strengthen and build the, uh, Russia up to what he grew up with Russia being as the Soviet Union back during the uh, mid to late 1900s. And that's his role in this, and that's Russia's role in what's going on now. But there's more game pieces that have been moved into place, and there's still yet more game pieces that we don't know about, and there's game pieces that we know are yet to be moved into place. Another one of the huge game pieces that has to be moved into place, and plays a key role in this too, is the, the European Union, which was formed in... Um, November of 1993. Uh, prior to 
all this business, um, this kind of got the attention of biblical and eschatological scholars as well, because the, many of the countries that are forming the European Union were also the countries that were a part of the Babylonian Empire back in, that was spoken of back in, in Bible times. And even before this, as we continue to go back, Israel was reformed into a nation in 1948. And Jesus talked a little bit about this in the same chapter that Pastor Dan read earlier. Jumping down to verse 32, he says, uh, Jesus, still talking to his disciples, says, Now learn of the parable of the fig tree, the fig tree being symbolic of Israel. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye see, shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things have been fulfilled. When Jesus is talking about the generation that shall not pass until all these things are fulfilled, he's speaking of the generation that sees the rebirth of Israel as a nation. And we consider back at this point that the rebirth of Israel is, was 1948. That was... Okay, I'm trying to do math up here now. Um, like 70, 73, 74 years ago, some, something like that got me on camera not being able to do math. Well, uh, a generation, according to biblical times, is about 70 years. So, so we're past that point right now of um, the 70-year generational mark. But we're also looking at the people who saw the formation of Israel. And this generation is still around us. And Jesus has said that um, this generation will, or these things won't pass, or this generation won't pass until these things have been fulfilled. So the things that we're talking about now, this generation, the generation that saw the reformation of Israel, is still seeing the things that are are taking place today. So what do we tell? Again, what do we tell our kids? What do we tell our friends and our family who aren't? well-versed in Scripture to know what's going on, those that are really fearful at the time, even those that are really angry about what's going on, or those who are, um, whatever emotion it may elicit, we have to remember that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And fear is a spirit. It's a spirit to make us fearful, to make us want to run away, to want to hide. He, he didn't give us that spirit. He also didn't give us the, the uh, spirit of anger. Proverbs tells us that a, an angry man is a foolish man. And, and so we, we, as we look at what's going on here, we can't look at the, we can't fear it. And at the same time, while we 
can and should be angry about what's going on. We shouldn't allow that anger to cause us to make hasty steps, to make um, foolish moves. We look up because our redemption draws nigh. As all these things are taking place, we're told that we're getting closer. We're getting closer to that trumpet sounding, and we're getting closer to being able to um, go to our heavenly homes. And that's something to look forward to. But again, that's something for us to look forward to. What can we uh, say to our friends? What can we say to our kids who are fearful about what's going on now? Well, this is a a great opportunity to share the things that... um, God has shared with us through Scripture. The Bible has predicted these things over 2,000 years ago. Some, most of them even longer ago than 2,000 years. Most of them, are, as in Ezekiel, have been three, 4,000 years. We're at a time when people need reassurance. We're at a time when people need to know that There is someone they can turn to. There's someone that's not surprised by all this. There's someone who is controlling all this now, and the things that are happening, he's allowing to happen so that he can work his great plan of redeeming the the world to himself, to bringing the believers home, and to... and to revealing himself to many people. So, so what's our role in this? We know that, going back, Russia's role, we know that China's going to be involved in this as the hordes of millions. We know, as Pastor Mike said, that Syria and Turkey will be involved in the attack on, on Israel. Obviously Israel, God's chosen people, are going to be involved in this. America, nowhere in in Scripture, as best as anybody can understand it, has any active role in this this closing scene of the world. We don't know if that's because we're just too messed up and dealing with our own problems. We don't know if that's because we're no longer a country. Maybe we've been split up. Maybe we're just inactive. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm just saying that as far as most religious scholars go, America has no big active role in, in the end times. But we have an active role. I mean, we are living in the end times. And when I say end times, I'm not saying the end is near. It's closer than it was 2,000 years ago, but we could still have a, a few hundred years, maybe even a few thousand years to go. I don't know. The Bible says nobody knows the time or the date. But what can we do? Our job is, as always, to be out there, to be sharing God's Word, to share why we're not afraid of what's going on. Share what God has planned. Show people in Scripture that 2,000 years ago, this Bible, God told us this was going to happen. 
It, it doesn't come as a surprise to God. And if you're reading this, it really doesn't come to a surprise to anybody who's in, in the Bible. If we're reading our Bible, it's more of a case, not a case of if, but when it's going to happen. And, and that's the key. That's the message that I, I want to get out. Hopefully a message of encouragement for those of us that have trusted in God. Also a message to share with our, our families, our children, um, unbelievers, a message of, of hope. This isn't hopeless. I'm like everyone else. I'm praying for the people of Ukraine. The church we attend in Columbus does sponsor some missionaries from the Ukraine. As a matter of fact, one of our, uh, no longer a teen, but one of our former teens went on a missions trip a few years ago to the Ukraine. So, and my wife informed me this morning that one of our friends is from Ukraine. So we, we have a little bit of connection to the Ukraine that uh, makes my heart hurt for, for the country. And, and as Pastor Mike said, I'm hoping that God's going to display his awesome power and, and just drop these Russians. But, but ultimately, this is part of his plan, whatever it is. And we have to trust God with his plan. We don't, don't always have to like like it, because a lot of times we don't like um, some of the stuff that we go through. But we have to trust God that he's, He is God, He's sovereign, and He's going to do what needs to be done and what He needs to do to fulfill His word and to fulfill His prof- prophecy. So as we pray, definitely make sure we pray for the people over there, pray for the mission or missionaries and all of the Christians that are over there, but just the people in general. We've seen some of the miraculous actions that God's performed already. I don't know how many of you have seen the video or the pictures where the uh, car was ran over with the tank, but the, there was an elderly lady in the car, and she did not have a, a scratch on her. So if there's any sign that God's looking out for these people, and yes, God is protecting these people, that's it right there. I mean, we see, we're, we're seeing the miracles. So we can see God at work too, which is, is, a, is a really cool thing. In, in the midst of all this horror, in the midst of all this stuff that's going on there, we get to see some of God's miracles as well. So we can, we can thank God for displaying His power and His miracles in those ways. We can continue to pray for the people that are over there, and we can continue to um, lift up our people and encourage our people over here because, again, our kids especially are afraid. Especially... And it doesn't matter their spiritual upbringing. It doesn't matter the, where they are. The, the kids of the friend that I spoke of, her kids are in church every week. They, they know the Bible. They're still afraid. Kids are afraid of what's going on. 
So we got we to gotta make sure to encourage our kids. And again, this is a great time to tell anybody about God when they start worrying about what's going on over there. God's got this. We don't understand it. We can't possibly grasp it, but God's got it. God's got all of us in his hand. And that's the message of encouragement that I hope to leave you today. And, and with that, we wanna, I'm going to close in prayer. And we're going to um, go on our way. And Lord, we thank you for having your hand on us, for having your hand on so many of the people over in the Ukraine right now, and for everything that you're doing and displaying your miracles and for continuing to work towards completing your your wonderful prophecy and for for us getting closer and closer to the day when you're going to tell Jesus that it's time to come get us. Lord, we hate to see the people over there suffering the way they are and the the fear that they have. It also Mm -hmm. hurts our hearts to see our, our fellow countrymen over here and our kids terrified about what would happen if this came here. So Lord, as uh, we lift up Ukraine today, as we lift up the people over there, praying that you'll use this as an opportunity in some of their lives to grow them closer to you and to come to know your son Jesus. We pray that same prayer over here, that you'll work through the fears, that you'll work through what they're seeing, be it the, the terror and the horror, and even and especially in your miracles, that you'll grow our people to come back to know who you are and to realize that they need you. We want to lift up each and every person here as we go out, that as we receive questions about this, that you'll give us the words to say that are going to glorify you. And as always, we want to give you praise, thanksgiving, and honor for everything in our lives and ask that you keep us safe and bring us back at our next appointed meeting. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Well, we'll start with a word of prayer. Um, 
Lord, we want to thank you again for the chance to be here today. Thank you for the chance to be in the presence of fellow believers, to be in your house and worshiping you. Thank you for everyone that's come out today, and we ask that you would um, be glorified through the message that takes place today, through all the worship, through all, through all the, the singing and the praise and worship, and for everything that takes place. We ask that you would uh, be glorified, that you would um, open each person here's hearts, minds, and ears to receive what you would have them to receive from today's message. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you remember, back in the fall, I did a sermon talking about the harvest. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And now we've come to another season. We've come to the opposite of the harvest. We've come to the season of planning and growth. And um, this is the lesson that I believe that God wanted me to share with you today. Because we talk about planning, we talk about growth, but there's also another process in there in the process of um, taking care of plants that comes between the um, planting of seeds and the harvesting the crops in the fall. And that comes in the care of um, pruning and getting rid of the stuff that's unnecessary. And to be honest with you, this lesson was inspired a few weeks ago as I was going through some of my old books. I come across a book by Bruce Wilkinson entitled The Vine. And as I found the book and started thumbing through it, um, it really struck a chord what he had said in this book. And I started really looking at what this verse means and how much it means into the the lives of each one of us here is we've all been disappointed by things. We've all been through things that have been unpleasant, and we wonder about these things. And we wonder why. We wonder about the disappointment and loss. We wonder uh, about the different things, and sometimes even good things seem to be taken from us. And as we read the Bible... Jesus uses two areas to really take a lot of his object lessons from, and one of those involves husbandry of livestock and crops. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the illustrations he made in talking about plant care. So as he starts off, um, as Pastor Mike read, every branch of mine that bears no fruit he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, I'll tell you up front, I don't know a lot about horticulture. I remember growing up, though, and watching my mom remove um, dead leaves and stems from some of her house plants. And uh, this seemingly was a way to um, make those plants grow again. Um, the dictionary defines pruning this way. Pruning is the removal or reduction of parts of a plant, tree, or vine that is not requisite to the growth or production, are no longer visually pleasing, or are injurious to the health or development of the plant. 
The general purpose of pruning is not to reduce the size of a plant that has grown too large. Pruning stimulates growth. Weak growth can be stimulated to grow vigorously by hard cutting back and vigorous growth. It is the best checked by light pruning. So pruning going into our lives as Christians is a way for God to help us to grow. It's something that's no longer beneficial to our spiritual growth. God's going to remove it. Just like a plant, God will remove things that are not requisite to our growth or our production or if it's no longer visually pleasing or if it's injurious to our health development or does not stimulate our growth, God's going to remove that thing from our lives. And this can be just about anything. Um, So as we start looking at these things individually, we'll start off by looking at things that are not requisite to growth or production. Sometimes even as a Christian, we're going along in our life and we may pick something up along the way. We may pick up a bad habit. We may start watching a bad TV show. It may not And it may not even be inherently bad, but it's holding us back from better. Watching TV in itself, for instance, it's not necessarily bad. It's not bad to watch TV. It's how many of us unwind at night when we get home from work. But is it interfering with our service to God? Is it in the way of us being in our Bible more? Is it in the way of us going out and, um, as Pastor Mike said earlier, evangelizing? Is the Bible being put second? Is God's work being put second to TV? When it's bad, God may come up with a way to uh, wean that out of your life. Another one, and this honestly... This one was one that befell me for a number of my teenage years and even a few years into my adulthood. I loved to play video games. Spent almost all my free time playing video games. I finished the tasks that needed to be accomplished, got home from my job, but other than that, it was largely me playing video games, which is a waste of time that I could have been using to do other things more productive things, things that had eternal quality. I didn't think about that at the time. Full disclosure, I I still pick up a game on my phone and play it during my free time, but I don't allow it to um, monopolize my time. The thought of sitting down in front of a, a computer game and a console utterly bores me at this point in my my life. There's other things that I can be doing, actually doing and not just sitting there. So how, how did God um, wean this out of my life? How did he prune this desire to play video games out of my life? Well, he actually did it through something we don't really observe to the fullest here, and that was Lent. And most of you know during the, the service or during Lenten season, you choose something that you're going to give up during the time that you're 
during the time between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. Well, for me, one year I was inspired to give up video games for those 40 days, and I did. I, I gave them up. It was hard the first couple of days. What do I do with this extra time that I got when I get home now that I'm already said I'm not made this commitment that I'm not going to play games? Well, it got easier as the week went on. As the weeks went on, as we got closer to the end of the 40 days, as we got back to Easter Sunday and that, this thing that I looked forward to doing as Lenten season started, I looked forward to getting back to it. I had no desire at the end of Lent when Easter Sunday hit, I had no desire to go back and play anymore. And that's one of the ways that God will use to prune things out of your life that are unproductive. He'll, he'll bore you with them. He might point out that they're, they're wrong, but in itself you don't have the desire to give it up right at that point. But he's going to bore you to a point where um, you just don't want to do it anymore. Some of the other things, one of the other things mentioned here in the definition of pruning was getting rid of things that aren't visually pleasing. Now what's one of the worst things that you can see looking at bad habits? One of the things is the worst thing you can see specifically for an adult is to throw a temper tantrum. I mean, we hate to see it in our little ones. It's especially sad when you see it in an adult and even worse if the adult's a Christian. And it goes just not just temper tantrums but any other poor behavior that we may have in our, our life whether it's lying or um, engaging in bad habits with um, addictive substances. We, God will convict us. He'll send people to convict us to prune these things of our own lives. A lot of ways when we look at the, the poor behavior in that, it's removed by especially tantrums and bad tempers. It's removed by putting us in situations where we have to exercise patience and restraint. One of the things that I've heard several pastors say from various pulpits and different radio programs, though, is never pray for patience because you will be put in a situation and multiple situations where you have to exercise patience. And that's one of the ways that God prunes our, some of our bad habits out of our lives is by putting us in situations where we have to exercise the, the fruit that he wants us to bear. Another thing that pruning does is talks about the removing things that are injurious from our lives. In the case of a plant, if a plant begins to grow out past its boundaries, if it starts to grow into the fencing, into the power lines, if it's a tree, or into the roughage, we trim this, the branches, we trim the leaves and the stems of this plant back in order to preserve the life of the plant. Many times in our own lives as we begin to grow, um, after we're saved, you'll notice that our old friends uh, that are unsaved, they start to fade out of our lives. 
Sometimes we're okay with that. Again, I've had instances and circumstances where people I was close to at one point have just become a distant memory because um, as I grew closer to God, they started to veer off in in another direction. We don't hate each other. We... Um, I look back on these relationships fondly, but realizing that we are on two different paths. Other times it can be downright heartbreaking because sometimes the people, like I mentioned, will go out with just a whisper and disappear. Other times they want you to know they're leaving. They want you to know that they don't approve of this new lifestyle that you're living. They don't agree with these changes you've made in your life. And as hard as it may be, it's God allowing this to happen in order to remove them from your life so that they're not going to be injurious to your life. One quote that uh, Gary Thomas had said relating to this is he said, sometimes to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is to walk away from others or to let them walk away from us. So I've seen it happen both ways. I've had both ways happen in my own life and in the lives of my family. And another thing that pruning does is it is used to stimulate growth. And there's a couple of ways this happens. One is through feeding the plant. And the other is through talking to your plants. I didn't know that was a thing, honestly, to talk to your plants, uh, but I guess it actually works. They say that if you talk to your plant, it helps them grow. Well, guess what the Bible does? It feeds us spiritually, and the Bible is the way that God talks to us. So when we start talking about stimulating our spiritual growth and growing spiritual fruit, the two ways to do that is... um, through feeding us, which God does through his word, and through talking to us, which God also does through his word. And so when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about stimulating our growth, these are two of the methods that um, God uses. One of the reasons, that, another reason that God uses to help us to grow more and to, is so that we produce more. God is always interested in the fruit that we produce. Again, um, going back to watching my mom with her house plants when she was when we were younger and she has this plant and I, I don't know what it's called but um, when Nicole and I were married she cut off a piece of this plant and she gave it to Nicole. This plant continued to grow in a pot itself. In the years since, Nicole has done the same thing. She has similarly cut off pieces of this now full-grown plant that she has and given it to other people and it has continued to flourish by cutting off pieces of this, this plant and planting them it has produced more plants like itself. And this happens in regards to people we know too. And when I think about this, when I think about this biblically, one of the things that comes up is the big disagreement that came up between 
Paul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it states that there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And in this case, God used this disagreement, much like that plant, he used this disagreement to separate Paul and Barnabas so that they could cover more ground. They were still brothers in Christ. They still liked each other. They just realized that at that point in time, they, they couldn't stay together. Had they stayed together, they wouldn't have been able to cover as much ground as they did in getting the gospel out across the Middle East and across Europe as they did. And it doesn't even have to be a major contention. Sometimes God has to allow that separation in order for one of you or both of you to grow and to produce the fruit that God wants you to produce and be who he wants you to be. And I can think of specific times in areas of my life where this happened to me and uh, others that I was close to. There's things that I would have never done. I would, wouldn't be here hadn't God done, made some of the moves that he made in my life. A few years, a few years back where we attended church, I was perfectly happy standing back behind the video camera. It was, uh, it was my comfort zone. I was able to serve God. I was able to get the word out because I was standing behind the camera and I was videotaping. The videos were sent to, we don't even use videotape anymore. The videos were then sent to shut-ins for people to watch. We also were able to start our own um, access church program through Dayton Access Television. And again, I was content doing that because I was able to stand behind the camera. I didn't have to be in front of people. I didn't have to uh, do things to put myself out there. And I was still serving God, so it was the best of all worlds. But um, that wasn't what God had planned for me, apparently. Later, I started working with a, a, a youth program that ministered to inner-city youth. And I was happy there because I had a, a good leader, a great group of friends, and a great team to work with. And I still didn't have to really put myself out there. But... In order for me to grow, in order for them to grow, God had to allow separation. He had to allow things to take place that would put everybody on their own path as we continued to um, love each other, as we continued to be great friends. He had to allow that separation so each of us could grow into the servant that he wanted us to be. There's a, and, and so that's a, another way that God will prune things and people we, we love from our lives. But then there's another way to help plants grow. And you, you think about the things I've talked about, but as you're planting, as the plants start to grow, the, the other way is composting. 
And if we read Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to 9, Jesus is telling a parable here. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Lo, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Let it alone, sir, this year also till I dig about it and put some manure. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So in other words, sometimes in order for us to grow and to bear fruit, we have to go through a lot of manure. Take Jacob, for instance. And granted, he brought a lot of it on himself, and in a lot of cases, we bring a lot of stuff on ourselves. But he went through some stuff. He was tricked into marrying the wrong girl. He dealt with a lot of marital drama as a result of this. He had his wages changed ten times, among other things. But he, he grew through all of this. And he grew from being a trickster, someone swindling his way through life. He swindled his brother out of his birthright. And then he ran away to a man who was a bigger trickster than he was. And lived with him for 20 years. And he's the one, by the way, Laban, who did all this, this stuff to Jacob. And he, upon returning home, he wrestled with God, earning a permanent limp and a new name. After this, we see Jacob's growth. Jacob grew from being this trickster, this swindler, this guy that is going to do whatever he can to get by, to he met Esau head on. He Instead of having his family and that and everybody in front of him, after wrestling with God, he met Esau head on and addressed the situation, took care of it. And we're not so much talking about the details of Jacob's life right now. It's just the change that he went, on, went through in his life, all because he had to go through a lot of stuff to get there. Joseph, Jacob's son, was another example of this. We see all the stuff he went through as he grew from being this brash teenager that was bragging to his siblings about, my sheaf's going to rule over your sheaves and the planets are going to bow down to me and all this, to this leader who had compassion. We saw Joseph's growth through the stuff that he went through. So a lot of times when we're going through stuff, we got to wonder. As we're going through the manure in our own lives, we got to wonder and sit back and think, okay, what kind of growth am I receiving out of, out of this? Perhaps right now you're going through some of that in your own life, either random or self-inflicted. But rest assured, whatever it is you're going through, God's going to use this for 
your good and for his glory. He's going to use this to grow the fruit that, that glorifies him both spiritually and the fruit that's going to reach out and produce other believers. But we have to be willing to trust God. We have to be willing to allow him to, to work. And it's not easy. I'll tell you that first, firsthand. It's not easy to see some of the stuff that, and to feel some of the stuff that we're going through. We've, um, as Pastor Mike mentioned earlier, we've just been through a round of um, illness with Nicole that saw a couple of ER visits this week and, um, and what's resulting in what they're saying now is pneumonia. Elaine has also been through it this past couple of weeks and, and even had to get her own COVID test done, which I'm sure she hated. But in all of this, we have to sit back, and it's easy to get mad. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to wonder how much more. Think about Job and all the things that he had to go through. But again, we have to trust God. We have to trust what, he, what the Bible tells us because he tells us in Romans 8.28 that we know that in everything, in everything, God works for the good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So that's everything. That's not just some of the things. It's not a few of the things everything, no matter what you're going through. Because he also tells us, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God knows what he's doing. It's hard to trust him sometimes. It's hard to trust him if we don't like what's happening. But... We have to. And what do we do with all this? We bloom. We bloom where we're planted. Where you're planted may not be what you had in mind. Quite honestly, sometimes we don't like where we're planted. Whether it's the area we live in, we might not like our home. We might not like where we find ourselves in our job, our school, or sometimes I hate to say this, but even our church. But God has you there for a reason. Every place you are, where you're living, where you're working, where you're going to school, where you're going to church, you have a reason to be there. God's given you that reason, and he's got you there to produce fruit. You may be there to share the love of God in a workplace where you think you're the only Christian. You may be living in a neighborhood or around people where you're the only Christian. Why are you there? There might be that one person, there may just be one person there that God has for you to reach out to, to show his love. He has that one person that he's sending you specifically to get and bring back to him to bear fruit in their own lives. But this all isn't just about other people. 
God also does this so we'll grow the fruit in our own life, the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. That's things that we all need continued growth. God's going to grow those things in our life, but we have to continue to, to grow, and he wants to continue to help us to grow in those areas, and he's going to put us in the, the different situations, and he's going to allow us to go through the various things that we go through, so in order that we can grow into the spiritual champion that he wants us to be. He's going to put us in these situations so we can bear fruit in other believers and in the lives of the people around us. God wants us to, to reach the people around us, even if it's just that one person. You may reach that one person, and then he may have you move on somewhere else. Or that person may move on. Or he might send you somebody else. Who knows? But the thing we have to do is we have to trust God because, again, everything that we go through, we're going through, and God's going to use those things for the good, for good for us because we love him. He's going to use it for the good of those around us, and he knows the plans we have. He doesn't tell us the plans, but he knows the plans that he has. We just got to sit back and, if we can, enjoy this roller coaster of a ride that he has us on. And, and with that, we're going we're gonna to close in prayer. And on a side note, I just got to get this one in there to, to pray for the Bengals today. <laughs> Pastor Mike asked when we walk in today if anybody was wearing any orange or black, and I see a few of us out there. Lord, we thank you for the day you've given us today. We thank you for the... Sounds kind of funny to say this, but we thank you for the challenges that you put in our lives that help us to grow. We thank you for the the many blessings that come from those challenges, and we thank you for those that we've seen in our lives. We ask that you'll help us to trust in you, to be patient, to see this through without giving up. Lord, we ask that you would guide us, that you would keep our hearts and minds open to your leading. As always, I want to lift up each and every person here, that you would help them to receive what you would have them to receive, that you would keep them safe and healthy and continue to... Um, help us to glorify you. Help us to be what you want us to be. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.